Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Anchor Book Club podcast. My name is Olaolua Oladokun and I'm your host today. We will be completing our study of the book The Pursuit of God by A.W. Toza today. It's been an amazing journey and if you've been following all through, just look back and see how far we've come already. We'll be studying chapter 10. And it's titled the sacrament of living the sacrament of living from first corinthians 10 verse 31 here it says whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of god i'll read that again whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of god now, one of the greatest hindrances to accessing internal peace for Christians is our dividing our lives into two. We learned, we have learned to compartmentalize our lives. We've divided them into two parts. One we've termed as the sacred and the other the secular. We believe they exist apart from each other and that they are morally and spiritually incompatible. Now, the challenge springs from the fact that we exist in two worlds as believers simultaneously. We exist both in the spiritual world and in the natural world. The, 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 the natural world would, um, is supposed to contain our regular daily living, um, our having a job, um, eating, taking care of our bodies, um, having friends. Same thing we do, things we do that every other person does. And the spiritual um, world would contain the act that we consider sacred, our time of, of fellowship, times we spend in prayer, our time of intercession, time we spend in studying the word, anything God-related, we will describe as belonging to the spiritual world. Now, because of this, We divide our total life into two departments. One, a life of sanctification and assurance in actions that we believe are pleasing to God. And the other is a life of regular or secular activities like eating, sleeping, our daily jobs, um, looking after our bodies, looking good, uh, social media and the likes. Things we would describe as normal and ordinary fall under this second category. Striking a balance between these two worlds seems like a tough task for so many Christians. They try to walk a tightrope between two worlds, yet they find no peace in either. This antithesis is totally unnecessary in all honesty, because the dilemma is only created by misunderstanding, a misunderstanding that only Christ's truth can deliver us from. Quickly, I would like to read from the book. Here it says, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is our perfect example, and he knew no divided life. In his presence, in the presence of his father, he lived on earth without strain from babyhood to his death on the cross. God accepted the offering of his total life and made no distinction between act and act. I do always the things that please him was his brief summary of his own life as it related to the father.
as he moved among men he was poised and restful what pressure and suffering he endured grew out of his position as the world's sin bearer they were never the result of moral uncertainty or spiritual maladjustment oh yes now paul exhorts us in the chapter in the verse we read first Corinthians 10 31 to do everything to the glory of god this simple instruction if followed closely would lead us to finding so much ease in reconciling both the spiritual and secular the supernatural and the ordinary again i'd like to read from the book here it says the New Testament accepts as a matter of course that in its in his incarnation our Lord took upon himself a real human body and no effort is made to stir around the downright implication of such an act or such a fact. He lived in that body here among men and never once performed a non-sacred act. His presence in human flesh sweeps away forever the evil notion that there's about that there is about the human body and something innately offensive to the deity. God created our bodies and we do not offend him by placing the responsibility where it belongs. He is not ashamed of the work of his own hands. Amen. God is not ashamed of the work of his own hands, where his workmanship, the Bible says. So, um, the, um, the perversion or misuse of an human act or any acts done in sin cannot honor God. We have to make that clarification. In spite of the fact that our bodies are creations of God and God doesn't is not irritated by at the sight of the human form or humanity. If he was, Jesus would not have been able to if he was offended at our form, Jesus would not have been able to take on that form to the glory of the Father. So he is not offended by the way we look or our existence in the flesh. But Perversion and misuse of any human act or any act done in sin can never honor God. But a life lived according to the will of God brings honor to him in every way. We will be able to say of everything we own, like Jesus said, if we devote our lives to God fully in honor of him, we'll be able to say like Jesus said, of the donkey he rode on in his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the Lord hath need of him. Be able to say of everything that we own, the Lord hath need of this. Be able to say of our cars, our houses, our relationships, our businesses, our finances, the Lord hath need of this. We would not withhold anything that we own from God whenever He makes a demand of them because the entirety of our lives have been offered to Him as a living sacrifice. Quickly, I'd like to read another excerpt from the book. Here it is that we see this truth is not enough. If you would escape from the toils of the sacred secular dilemma, the truth must run in our blood and condition the complexion of our thoughts. We must practice living to the glory of God actually and determinedly. By meditation upon this truth, by talking it over with God, often in our prayers, by recalling it in 
it to our minds frequently as we move about among men. A sense of his wondrous meaning will begin to take hold of us. The old painful duality will go down before a restful unity of life. The knowledge that we are all gods, that he has received all and rejected nothing, will unify our inner lives and make everything sacred to us. Hallelujah. It will take some time to get used to this, no doubt. No doubt. It will take some time for us to start seeing our daily ordinances, our daily ordinary living, our daily ordinary actions, our eating, our working, our conversations as acts that glorify God. This requires some time of fellowship with God for this revelation to sink in. We must use our faith to believe for these things. We must use our faith to believe for these things. And it's understandable how we we got into a position where we started to separate spiritual things and secular things as it were. And this was deliberately as an act through which God used to minister to the Israelites. When he revealed to himself to them, he appeared to them first of all and concealed his presence in, 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 in a pillar of fire and a pillar of the cloud following them through the wilderness until the Ark of the Covenant was built where the presence of God could dwell as a, as, 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 as a way in which they could carry the presence of God with them, around them. And after that, you know, the commandments started coming and some, some instructions were given and some acts and instructions were given to the Israelites. Some of them were considered holy and, and, and appealing to God and some other acts were considered unholy and unpleasing to God and there was a clear distinction, a clear separation between acts of holiness and acts of unholiness holiness now this 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 order led us into a misrepresentation of facts especially now that we are in a new and better covenant in that we now consider some things in themselves as holy not necessarily because of their significance or importance to god but we consider those elements those particular things themselves as the holiness of God, whereas it is not, whatever thing represents holiness to God is also only supposed to be a representation. Our lives in its fullness is supposed to be a holy offering unto God, a holy offering unto God. Quickly, I would like to read once again from the book. It does not mean, for instance, that everything we do is of equal importance with everything else we do or may do. One act of a good man's life may differ widely from another in importance. Paul's sewing of tents was not equal to his writing and epistles to the Romans, but both were accepted of God and both were true acts of worship. Certainly, it's more important to lead a soul to Christ than to plant a garden, but the planting of the garden can be as holy an act as the winning of a soul. You see, God wants our lives entirely. He wants everything, a full commitment to him, a total absorption of our body in the Holy Spirit such that it takes full control of us. It is not what a man does that determines if it is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. It is why he does it that determines such differences. It is the reason why you do the things that you do that determine what is sacred and what is secular. I would like to read the prayer from this chapter in closing. It says, Lord, I would trust thee completely. 
I would be altogether thine. I would exalt thee above all. I desire that I may feel no sense of possessing anything outside of thee. I want constantly to be aware of thine overshadowing presence and to hear thy speaking voice. I long to live in restful sincerity of heart. I want to live so fully in the spirit that all my thoughts may be as sweet incense ascending to thee and every act of my life may be an act of worship. There's a song I love so much that says daily as I live and as often as I breathe, let my whole life be an ex- expression of your grace. That should be our greatest desire. That should be our greatest desire. Amen. Would you believe it, guys? On this note, we have come to the end of the book, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Like it feels just like yesterday when we started this journey and I'm excited that we have been able to complete it. I hope it has been something worthwhile for you. I hope that it has been a profitable experience. Um, tomorrow we'll be starting a new book. Yes, we'll be hitting the ground running. We are not taking any breaks. We'll be hitting the ground running. The next book we'll be studying is Smith Wigglesworth on the Holy Spirit. On the Holy, I don't know how to describe the title because it's it's uh, related to the name of the author. So, on the Holy Spirit by Smith Wigglesworth, or Smith Wigglesworth, on the Holy Spirit. I trust that this will be another exciting journey of revelation and insight, and a journey that will stir us to spend more time in fellowship with God. Thank you once again for joining me in this. Enjoy the rest of your day, and see you tomorrow. Please, as always, try to read the books as well yourself, one chapter per day, and also study your Bibles and spend time in fellowship with God. Have a blessed day.